With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Special Prosecutor Larry Clayman. I'm the only lawyer ever to obtain a court ruling that a president of the United States committed a crime. For truth, for competition. As a young lawyer, I helped break up AT&T. That's why you have all your cell phones today. For sovereignty, for the republic. I'm the guy who, at Judicial Watch, which I founded, uncovered the Chinagate scandal. Millions of dollars going to the Clinton campaign, corrupting our political system. For the privacy of citizens. And I'm the only guy to have enjoined the National Security Agency from mass surveillance and hundreds of millions of Americans. Tearing it up. I'm the son of meat packers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know how to slice and dice. Bringing it back. We're going to take this country apart and put it back together again in the way envisioned by our founding fathers. It's not just talk. We're not just regurgitating news stories. Larry Clayman, special prosecutor, is making the news. And now, here's Larry. Welcome to this week's edition of Special Prosecutor with Larry Clayman. I have my very good colleague, formerly with me, ran the San Marino, California Office of Judicial Watch, an excellent attorney, someone who has been steeped in the conservative movement for many, many years, Mike Pendleton with me. He's my co-host today. He's also going to be the judge on our trial that takes place on July 7th with regard to alleged bribery of Joe Biden by communist China by Russia and by Ukraine before President Zelensky came to power, as well as Biden's negligent homicide in Afghanistan, Anthony Fauci's collaboration with the communist Chinese that gave rise to uh, the bioweapon, as we believe, that killed millions of people worldwide, and also federal judges who have thrown peaceful protesters, particularly on January 6th, in prison without even bail and denied them due process. So welcome to Special Prosecutor with Larry Clayman, Mike. It's my honor to have you with me. And I want to get into immediately, I want to get your take on what happened at the Supreme Court last Friday with regard to Roe v. Wade and also the ramifications, because Justice Thomas has pointed out that for the same reasoning that applies with regard to, in fact, uh, knocking out Roe v. Wade, the same would apply to gay marriage and to the contraception laws that currently are in the books. These are matters for state regulation, not for federal regulation. There's nothing in the Constitution providing a right to an abortion. It's really a right to murder, in my opinion, or for that matter, gay marriage, uh, because gay marriage deals with uh, basically people of opposite sex and 
Constitution doesn't cover that. It just prevents sex discrimination. It's not discriminatory with regard to marriage. That's the state issue and also the other issues. So, Mike, give us your thoughts on that right on the top. I want to get to it because there's so much to cover here today that I don't have to use do my usual pontification in my monologue. Let's just get to it. All right. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Larry. I got to tell you, uh, the Supreme Court has finally done the right thing after 50 years, for almost 50 years of misinterpreting, creating, and really kind of trashing the Constitution of the United States, creating this uh, right to an abortion and the penumbras and emanations. It was actually a disaster from the moment that it was decided. They finally, we got a 5-4 to overturn, a 6-3 to uphold the uh, Mississippi law, which, by the way, is not even that radical, 15 weeks uh, uh, to determine life. So, so, but, but it's a great victory for pro-lifers who've been fighting for 50, for almost 50 years to get the right, the right to decide these things by legislative process rather than Supreme Court fiat that's just, you know, taken out of nowhere, created out of nowhere, and, and just kind of trashing the Constitution which, by the way, for the last 50 years has been trashed continually. And your reference to uh, same-sex marriage and all of these rights that have just been created out of nowhere are all state legislature decisions to make by the people. If people want to have same-sex marriage at a state level, then that's their right. But it's not the Supreme Court's place to inject itself into the middle of these very sensitive topics, these social decisions, and create something that just doesn't exist in the Constitution. You and I have known this, you know, since, since day one. It struck me, 72, that how could this possibly be the case? Where, where does this right to abortion uh, appear from? And it appeared from the penumbras and emanations, so-called penumbras and emanations of the Constitution, which do not exist. Just just that simple. Well, you're absolutely right. And I remember, and I did a podcast last Friday as well, where I talked about this when I was in law school at Emory University in Atlanta in 19, I think it was 74, I matriculated there. At the time, I took a year off after Duke University, and then I went to law school. And in my class was Sally Blackman, the daughter of Harry Blackman, the Nixon appointee who wrote the majority decision in Roe v. Wade. And I remember things were much less militant in those days than they are today. It was the beginning of the feminist movement, you know, Gloria Steiner and everything else. And, you know, the law professor who was a little bit left of center, not that much, uh, you know, talked about a woman's right to choose. Okay, threw it out. I got up there and I said, what woman's right to choose? What are we talking about here? Number one, doesn't a man have a say in what goes on? I mean, that's your child, too. And number, you know, and, and in addition to that, you're saying there's a right to kill. There's a right to kill. So to me, it's always been offensive. And, and I look at, at the people that were in front of the Supreme Court today, you know, on the left, these feminists, these lesbians and others gritting their teeth, literally trembling in fear that somehow their rights had been taken away when those rights deal with the right of killing an unborn child. And of course, now we have the Democrats are not only killing them before they're born, they're killing them after they're born because they can't get baby food. P- women can't get, you know, 
formula. So you got to imagine that there's some babies that have you know died as a result of that or have been harmed and retarded or whatever. And there doesn't seem to be great concern about that. But that's just, you know, an, an aside. And I, and I would get up right in front of Sally Blackman and I would say it. And I didn't mean any disrespect to her. She was a nice person. Presumably she's you know still a nice person. But uh, to me, it was offensive. And to see the reaction. And then, Mike, this is another thing. Supreme Court just this week basically affirmed the right to concealed carry of weapons, you know, without restrictions, without analyzing, assuming you're not crazy, you know, or, or convicted of a felony or whatever, like New York did, restrict the right to carry, having to do a subjective determination as to who should carry a gun or not. And I would suggest that right now the left is going to use the reversal of Roe v. Wade as an excuse to go into the streets to commit further violence, to harm people, if not kill people, I think there's going to be an explosion. And I also believe that the Supreme Court waited this long, you know, to release it this week, because frankly, they're getting the heck out of town, you know, because, <laughs> because they're they're at risk, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think it's a, I think it's a very real uh, possibility as well. These people, if you look at them, you know, watching the news, they are rabid. And, and, and every time I see it, I think, how could you be so rabid about the killing of a preborn baby? I, I don't understand that. It's like a it's like a disease. And I do think it's bloodthirst. I think there's some act, you know, aspect of it that's just they're bloodthirsty. They've started the killing. They've been killing for 50 years. And now you can't tell them they can't kill anymore. It's crazy. But but as far as the Second Amendment goes, I do think. That the, that the court has finally, and I do mean finally, started to move in the direction of the Constitution. It's, it, to me, it's not, a, it's not a political question at all. It, what the court's doing is apolitical, not political, should not be political. And the problem has been that they've been in the politics, social engineering, for the last 50 or more years. They should never have been there, and they're just now beginning to recognize that they have made a mess of it all. And now there's hopefully starting to pull out of the business of legislating from the bench, let the states and local governments decide these things. It's, it's no place for nine members of the Supreme Court to be. They ought to be out of the business of politics and of social engineering and all of the stuff that they've been involved with for the last 50 years. Get out of it stay out of it and don't ever go back. Well, it's interesting you say that because when you say the court, okay, what we've got right now are five justices who are in favor of that, you know, and give Trump credit, you know, basically he packed the court. Okay. But you've got the other side that's still there. Okay. Yes. You've got, you know, Sotomayor, you've got, uh, you know, the other two whose names I don't really feel like talking about right now. I mean, they're so obnoxious. <laughs> But it, it's, it's, it's only, you know, a slight majority on the court right now. And, of course, as usual, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, you know, doesn't go the full the full mile here. I mean, I, always, I believe he's being blackmailed, you know, for a lot of reasons. I mean, talk about gay marriage. He didn't do gay marriage, but a lot of people think he's gay. And I think he's been blackmailed as a result of that over the years. But. It's very, very interesting. And the reason I mentioned guns, and we've got about two minutes left in this segment, is because you're going to need to defend yourself. I mean, these people are going to be coming after you in the streets. And uh, mark my words, this is the summertime. 
We're going into the July 4th weekend. There's going to be a lot of free time and you're going to see a lot of violence, a lot of violence. So, you know, God forbid, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but I believe it will. Your thoughts? We've well, got I to- think there any any excuse to riot, cause chaos, to, to disrupt uh, the constitutional republic of the United States, they will take it. They will take every advantage and they will try to do whatever they can. I think this is just another excuse. Abortion, uh, gun, gun grabbing, all of the things that they that they love is really an opportunity for them to disrupt and to riot and to burn and destroy. And and for me, I, I agree with you, Larry. I think I think it's important for those of us who believe in the Second Amendment to to protect themselves and whatever, because there's no dead people in jail. So, you know, ultimately, if you have to defend yourself and your family, then I, I, I think it's, it's best to have uh, some way to do it. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we're going to be right back. In the meantime, go to freedomwatchusa.org. Join our cause. Get my book, It Takes a Counter Revolution, Wake Up America. We'll be right back with Mike Pendleton talking more about the ramifications of the reversal of Roe v. Wade and related issues. Stay tuned. Special Prosecutor, Larry Clayman. If you'd like to support Freedom Watch and this radio show, go to freedomwatchusa.org. I'm back with Mike Pendleton, my very good friend, colleague, a true American, a true American patriot, uh, a lawyer of many years and someone who, frankly, I consider to be very, very wise and and level-headed. Talking about the whole issue of gun rights, Okay. at this point, of course, we know that the Second Amendment basically gave us the right to bear arms to use against the government if we had to. Uh, King George III sought to confiscate our weapons, take them away from us. We had no means to defend ourselves. Now, of course, gun rights can apply and there are rights to guns, unlike the right to an abortion with regard to people trying to harm you in the streets. And that to me is why it's important. And I know in my home state of Florida, that when Jeb Bush, and give him credit for this, he was a good governor by and large. You know, if he had been president, I think things would have been a lot different. He's a lot smarter than than W. But when he pushed the Florida legislature to create a concealed weapons law, permit law, and I hold it, concealed weapon permit in Florida, crime radically dropped because the criminals knew that if they attacked you, there may be a consequence to it. And the fact that it was concealed, you couldn't tell whether someone was carrying or not. So you wanted to take the risk. Well, you may pay uh, the price for doing it. But, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on on the gun ruling, uh, because clearly states like California and New York are not going to abide by the Supreme Court's decision. It's going to take more lawsuits to get their restrictions off the books to carrying uh, a weapon um, under the Second Amendment. Give us your thoughts on this. 
Well, I think it's it's another example of, you know, the the, uh, the court or the Supreme Court for years has not seen what is clearly there and created things that are not there with abortion. The things that are clearly there is the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. And it's pretty clear. I mean, if you, you know, to trace it back to the original original uh, uh, view of the founders and so forth, it was to protect us against the government. So the government imposing laws telling us when and how we can carry a weapon is exactly what the Second Amendment was designed to stop. We don't want the government legislating in that area of the law. It's a constitutional right, and it's clearly there. I know there's a lot of people who don't like it, but the reality is is it's there. And if they don't like it and they want to change it, there's something called a constitutional amendment and go about your business and get that done. But that's too much work. What they want to do is have the court either ignore what's there or create things that aren't there. And really, that's the problem with the court going along with that is such a a destructive force, not only for the court itself, but, but for the society that we're talking about. You can't allow a court, nine people, to make those kinds of decisions. They're clearly legislative decisions or, or an amendment decision, if you want to amend the Constitution to, to restrict the right to keep and bear arms, fine. Go about your business and do that. But don't force or ask a court to do it for you. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, this is interesting, and we'll talk about it going into the next segment, too. And we'll talk about our trial that's coming up for the Bidens and Fauci and some federal judges, one of which, Colleen Color Catelli, you've had some experience with at Free Congress Foundation. We'll talk about her. She's the worst judge I've ever been in front of, totally dishonest, complete hack. She wins the Judicial Hall of Shame Award in my book, It Takes a Counter-Revolution, Wake Up America. But it, the ramifications of what the Supreme Court did this week for President Trump is extremely interesting because I believe that the Democrats are going to have him indicted for something, whether it's phony charges of tax fraud or sedition or whatever the case may be. That's what these January 6th hearings are all about. But in terms of his base right now, it's clear that he gets credit for what happened with regard to Roe v. Wade as of right now. And that's going to be an interesting contrast with Governor DeSantis of Florida, who I also like a great deal. I hope he'll leave the Republican Party and join our new party, the new American Independence Party, when it's fully set up. But uh, Trump seems to be in, in the catbird seat, notwithstanding attempts by the Democrats, again, to destroy him. Well, I think I think Trump deserves a lot of credit. And I think, you know, despite the fact that, you know, I could, I can't say that Kavanaugh was my first choice and I can't say that I was thrilled when it happened. Uh, as it turns out today and this week has shown that uh, that Donald Trump uh, made some decent choices. I, I still think we could have done better. But but at the same time, you have to give him credit. He did what he said he was going to do. And one of the things he said was that Roe was wrongly decided. He said it early on. And he said it consistently, and he's championing the decision today. And I think the same is true with guns. And I think the same is true, at least the beginning of the school choice. We'll pick this up on the other end of the break. Stay tuned. Words that make corrupt politicians make wee-wee in their little pants. Transparency and the rule of law 
will be the touchstones of this president. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Special Prosecutor, Larry Klayman. Be the one who makes our country great again. Go to freedomwatchusa.org and donate. Mike, continue your thought with that, uh, because what's interesting is that Donald Trump was never pro-life. Okay, he was in favor of abortion for a very, very long time. He had a miraculous conversion to pro-life when he decided he wanted to run for president. He understood the Republican base, regardless of his motivations. He did the country a tremendous service with these judges. However, and this is the segue to the next segment, he didn't do the country a service with his general picks for federal judges. And he didn't know who he was rubber stamping to become federal judges. I've appeared in front of 10 to 15 of them so far, and they're not worth a darn, most of them. They lack courage. Many of them are simply unethical or dishonest. They are the product of the Republican establishment, like the American Conservative Union or the Federalist Society, that lobbied to put them on the bench, obviously, with campaign contributions and everything else. You previously were a member, um, you know, instrumental with Paul Weirich, a great conservative icon of the new conservative movement in the Free Congress Foundation. That's how we got to know each other many years ago when I was running Judicial Watch, which I founded. And you evaluated federal judges. You would vet them, you know, for whether they should be confirmed or not. Uh, And that apparently didn't happen really with Trump. You know, Free Congress Foundation is not active today to any great extent. I don't know if it still exists or not, but we got these judges in there, frankly, and I write about it in my book. It takes a counter revolution, wake up America. You know, I use the French expression, the more things change, the more they remain the same. And the judges just aren't good. But at least with regard to these Supreme Court justices, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch and Coney Barrett, same ones that threw President Trump under the bus during the election challenges you know, after the 2020 presidential elections, at least they rose to the top and at least they did what they had to do. And at least they followed the law. But I want to get your take on a judge. I've had difficulty with her over the years. Her name is Colleen Kohler Catelli. She's going to be tried on July 7th, too. She'll be indicted before then. And this judge, as I talk about in my book, has done many things. Let me just get a couple examples of what she's done. Okay, number one, I had a client named Scott Tooley who was illegally surveilled uh, under the Bush administration. She dismissed that case uh, and the same type of surveillance that I later got injunctions for, uh, this mass surveillance. Uh, She dismissed it. It was reversed by the D.C. Circuit. It went back and, uh, you know, nothing ever happened. Secondly, there were whistleblowers that came forward with regard uh, to the NSA and national security agencies. She turned them into the FBI, and some of them even had terminal diseases. She wouldn't listen to them, and she was head of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, and some of them wound up getting prosecuted you know, for releasing so-called classified information. But perhaps one of the most egregious things she did, this is amazing, if you can believe it. She, when I filed a Freedom of Information Act request through my current group, Freedom Watch, which I also founded, asking for all the documents that the Justice Department had culled to use in the prosecution of Cliven Bundy and his sons and others uh, who engaged the federal government in a successful standoff at Bunkerville many years ago when the government 
you know, assaulted his family, uh, killed his cattle, tried to drive him off his ranch. Harry Reid was behind it, one of the most corrupt senators in American history, uh, who's now dead uh, from Nevada. I asked for all of the documents that the Justice Department, you know, had culled because I knew that they were all together and I wanted to use them in Cliven's defense. I was representing Cliven in the case criminal prosecution. The Justice Department comes back. This is during the Obama Justice Department and says, oh, we can only produce them, but it's going to take 40 years to do it. 40 years. And I said to Catelli at the time, who had all kinds of difficulty with, you can read about it in my book, It Takes a Counter Revolution. I said, you know, Your Honor, you'll be dead. I'll be dead. Cliven will surely be dead. And this young Justice Department lawyer, she'll be near death. And she would not grant any acceleration to that. Uh, that's how much she is leftist. You know, anything the government does, rubber stamp. Okay. And she didn't like me because I had challenged her in other cases. But tell me a little bit about her because you vetted her along with Paul Weirich at the Free Congress Foundation. This is, in my view, the worst judge I've ever been in front of. Well, she's she's up there for sure, Larry. And I think I think at the time the worst part to me was we we put together about a 30 to I think it was a 30 or 40 page document that that delineated all of the problems with her, including her clear judicial activism, her 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 leanings to the left. She was radical left. And and she really even, you know, prior decisions had shown very little ability to restrain herself. She basically made up whatever she wanted to to get what she wanted to do or to ignore what was clearly there so that she didn't have to do it. And she was just a radical. We knew it. We presented it to the to the Senate at the time. And if you can believe it, and I know you can because you've seen this for years, is she was a uh, hundred to nothing. She was unanimously confirmed despite all of the evidence that we laid out. Uh, I remember at the time there was John Ashcroft was the lone senator. We would provide all this information. And John would, uh, Senator Ashcroft went and he went to the floor and he just made the statement, I'm going to object to this unanimous consent. And they basically told him, if you do that, your state will be destroyed in terms of funding. We will, you cannot object. And he, he backed out and did not object to her because what that would have caused was at least a debate about her. And uh, she was unanimously, uh, unanimously confirmed. And so she sits there today because of the spineless Republicans who were on the Judiciary Committee at the time. They refused to do anything to make waves when it came to federal judges. And that is the problem today. You've got people who are just plain in the Republican Party spineless when it comes to these judges. And yet they sit there and destroy this country for years and years and basically die on the bench. They don't go away. We can't get rid of them. Yeah, they're like cockroaches. They would survive a nuclear blast. It's, it's it could tell you just, you know, she showed her her hand again recently with regard to a client of ours, Jesus Rivera, who we have a class action lawsuit on behalf of himself and other peaceful protesters on January 6th that I filed in the Northern District of Florida. And she just convicted him of four felonies. He's up for sentencing. I didn't represent him in the criminal case because Catelli hates me and I fought with her for many, many years and I'm still fighting with her in a number of cases. Her husband, by the way, represented Secret Service agents during the Monica Lewinsky scandal to keep them from implicating 
uh, Bill Clinton and what was going on uh, with Monica Lewinsky. So, it, you know, it's a family affair, so to speak, no pun intended. But but she just convicted this client of ours. And what she did was this is this is the way she is. She's evil, but she's clever. OK, not that smart, but clever. You know, the devil is clever. He's not as smart as as God, the father. But she talks about what everybody else did in January 6th, which frankly was not terrible. I mean, there were a few people that, you know, took property or busted something up, but the overwhelming majority uh, were peaceful and they were led into the Capitol by the Capitol Police. That's a dirty little secret. And it's our Capitol, by the way. So it's really not a trespass. But she she conflates what these others did, these few others did with him and then convicts him ostensibly because he said that when he entered the Capitol, he crawled through a window and he was peaceful. He said, this was the happiest day of my life, short of my birthday in three days. So he was convicted for that, for that statement. And he will do time. Mark my words. She'll give him time because she, she's heartless. She's evil. Uh, I've seen it before with clients. I won't get into it here. Uh, even female clients that are on the wrong side of the street. But this is what we got in the federal judiciary, Mike. And this is why I dedicated my book. And you know, I sent you a copy of it. Uh, it takes a counter-revolution, wake up America. The one last year was it takes a revolution, uh, forget the scandal industry, but it became a counter-revolution because the left has taken total control, is that Thomas Jefferson said, federal judges and Supreme Court justices, unelected, unaccountable to the people, thinking that they're there for life. Of course, they really aren't. They serve for good behavior, but that's how it's come down over 200 and some years that they would become despots and tyrants, causing us to shed the blood of patriots and tyrants yet again every 20 years, adding what's a few thousand dead to refresh the tree of liberty is the natural manure of government. Now, he didn't want to see anybody hurt or dead. Neither do I, neither do you. But he predicted that we would come to this. And I believe that January 6th was mostly the manifestation of the people seeing the rank corruption in government, that the three branches had gone their own way, that it abandoned them, that they were representing themselves, not the people, that there was no recourse, that the judges would not provide them recourse, Donald Trump being the latest example with the election fraud. And it was more than just Donald Trump. It was a reaction to a perception by a lot of people, not that dissimilar to what the French were going through in the days leading up to the storming of the Bastille on July 14th, 1789. But of course, this wasn't like that. That was the French Bastille uh, revolt was bloody. This was peaceful, by and large. But I believe the federal judges are the primary cause for the so-called insurrection, which was not an insurrection at all. No question. No question, Larry. And I think, I think the reason is because people feel powerless. When an unelected, uh, life-tenured politician called a judge makes a decision, what is the recourse? There, you know, there is no place to appeal. And so people get frustrated. The whole reason for the judicial system was so that we didn't take it to the street, so that it didn't become bloody. And if we don't, if they don't get protection from the court, there's only one place left. And unfortunately, sadly, People not only take to the streets, but they but they can and will uh, get violent. And I'm and I'm sad to say I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because I don't see the response that I would expect. Now they may be you know scurrying out of town because of their they're afraid afraid for their lives, 
But the reality is it's not just the it's not just the judges, it's the politicians who hide behind them. The politicians who refuse to make the tough decisions in the social arena. So therefore they put it on the judges. They're glad the judges are making these decisions because then they don't have to and they can't be held accountable. These are the things that are happening as the people get more frustrated. And as you say, as that as it heats up this summer, we're in for some trouble if we don't begin to recognize. And I think the court maybe started a little bit this week, just a little bit. Though. All they really did was send it back where it belongs. It doesn't belong in there. Right. Yeah. Remember, it was only five of them that did, you know. Right. It's not the right. whole court. So, I mean, you know, remember that I hope I pray to God this doesn't happen. But, you know, the John Grisham book, The Pelican Brief, I'm surprised. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, these leftists could wind up killing some of them, you yeah. know, and Biden no can be the successor, you see. So God forbid they better have good security. I pray for them. But uh, here's where we are. But also this is this raises another issue. We got about two minutes left here and let's continue it on. Our legal system basically has been taken away from us like it was in the days leading up to 1776 by King George III, which is why you and me and others, we are exercising the people's right to hold corrupt politicians and government officials and others accountable under the rule of law. On July 7th, we are trying Biden. We've indicted him already for bribery uh, from communist China, from Russia, from Ukraine, for negligent homicide in Afghanistan. He ordered a drone strike because he wanted to look tough after 13 GIs were killed at the Kabul airport. He didn't know who he was ordering it against. He killed 10 of our allies, our Afghan allies, and seven of their young children with a drone strike. I filed a case at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. They're investigating it right now, even though we don't recognize their jurisdiction. They're looking at it. Uh, the United States doesn't recognize it. And let's talk, you know, as we come back briefly about why the American people, Mike, need to enforce the rule of law themselves. Justice Scalia, the great deceased justice, said in 1992, in the case United States versus Williams, the grand jury belongs to the American people, not the three branches of government. And we also have as precedent and a right, the Declaration of Independence, which says that we can enforce our law under the rules of nature and nature's God. We'll be right back with Mike Pendleton with the verdict. We're going to discuss this and then go on to do what we have to do to try to save this country. Be right back. he was a trial lawyer, he sliced him and diced him. People used to ask me, Larry, what caused you to start Judicial Watch and now Freedom Watch, given the powerful forces in this country that put you at risk? In a meat packing plant. I'm the son of meat packers in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know how to slice and dice. A very special prosecutor, Larry Clayman. If you'd like to support Freedom Watch and this radio show, go to freedomwatchusa.org. Now the verdict, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, it really is just ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing else in between. Okay, as Woody Allen used to say, nothing like love between a man and a woman. It just depends which man and which woman you get in between. Now, unfortunately, that's been the mantra of the left right now because there's no distinction between man and woman. But that's another story. We're talking about getting rid of gay marriage now. That'll probably do some good. But right now, we're facing uh, a system, a legal system, which doesn't represent the American people, which does not hold criminal politicians, judges, and others accountable to the rule of law, and others, the elite establishment in Washington, D.C. 
Mike, I'd like you to talk to the need for the American people to rise up and force the rule of law themselves, like Wyatt Earp did in the Old West and others have done. And of course, before 1870, on July 1st, which is coming up very soon, we didn't have a Justice Department. The American people had to enforce the rule of law. And nothing that's on the books to this day prevents us from doing it as long as we provide due process and equal protection to the people that we are trying to enforce the law against. I think it's vital, Larry. I think it's vital for the citizen grand jury to to take up its its calling. Really, it's our constitutional duty to do so because we have seen kind of the collapse of this of our judicial system, of our legal system, of our government institutions being corrupted to the core. And so it's time and it's in fact it's past time for American people to assemble and to try and to do the citizen grand jury and and to make these politicians and others accountable. And whether we can hold them accountable or not, what it ultimately ends up happening, it makes no difference in the sense that from a uh, historical perspective, it's vital that we do it. And I think it's it's probably the most important thing I've done in my life. I'm very pleased to be a part of it. And I appreciate you asking me to participate because, you know, the reality of it for me is that It's the last straw or one of the last straws before what I consider to be terrible things could and and might very well happen. So we've got to try to do things in a legal sense if we can. Yeah. And and we're going to be fair and we're going to have a jury and we have you as the judge, Mike. And we gave notice to Biden and company that they can appear and defend themselves. Uh, They have not uh, appeared at arraignments. We gave them notice several times. They disrespect the rights of the people. And they will be tried in abstention if they don't show up. And here's the thing, Mike, when you're getting into a situation where people can't afford gasoline, okay, because it's so high, parts of California, it's now $8. It's going to go to 10, the rest of the country too. When you can't get food, when there's a shortage of food and prices are going up 12, 15%, when you can't even get baby formula, when people are, are, you know, pushed up against the wall. There's going to be violence in this country, and we want to head it off. And the only way you can head it off is to hold these criminals accountable and to put them in prison where they belong. And we have a right in 48 states of citizens' arrest. We're not even going to do that. We're going to seek a conviction. We're going to seek life sentences and, and other appropriate sentences. And we're going to ask law enforcement and the military to carry it out. And it's about time that we carry it out because the politicians won't do it. The judges won't do it. They're part of the same problem. They are protecting the establishment. The people who are going to prison right now, who were peaceful on January 6th, did nothing. There's one example of Judge Mike that you know. I had great respect for at one time, Royce Lambert, who made so many good decisions when we were at Judicial Watch. He threw the QAnon shaman in prison for 41 months, three and a half years. And there's video it was shown even on the January 6th hearings this week of him walking into the Capitol, escorted by a Capitol police. He was peaceful. All he did was to sit at the desk in, in, the, in the House of Representatives chamber. He didn't bust anything up, nothing. I might add, who paid for that desk? American taxpayers. And the fact that he dressed like a freak shouldn't give him the punishment of three and a half years in prison. This is where we are. Well, we, better, we had better hope and pray that we are successful, Larry, because I fear if we're not, uh, that there's going to be bloodshed in the streets. And I, and I, and I hope and pray that never happens. But I also know that we have got to at least make this attempt tonight, and I'm glad that we're trying. Well, it's my privilege to work with you, Mike. Uh, I have tremendous respect for you and 
I have tremendous respect for our listeners and the American people. We will rise up with the grace of God, with divine providence, as was invoked by our founding fathers. We will succeed. And I always say at the end of any broadcast, the father and son will only help us if we help ourselves. Now's the time, if you care about your kids, grandkids, and future generations, to get up off the couch and join us and get to work. Thanks, Mike. We'll be back next week with another edition of Special Prosecutor with Larry Klayman. Until then, thank you for listening to us. Thank you.